It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Man, does that bring the memories back. Oh, my. Ah, wasted youth. Not Corey Hart, me. He's going to take off right now. There he goes. 84? I think that was 84. Time for In the Community, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle, where you can save up to 35%. United Sport and Cycle, your home of hockey for over 30, or for 95 years. Corey Hart was 35 years. I bet Steve Lansky wore sunglasses at night because of that song. Is that correct? It is not. I was never a big Corey Hart guy. I don't know why. Canadian, I get it. I just was never a big Corey Hart guy. So everybody was a fan, but you said, I'm never, I'll never surrender. No, I, I just... <laughs> I get it. I just, uh, it just, he never struck me as being like he was kind of a one-trick pony to me. I'm not a big fan of one-trick pony. I like the Spoons. Do you remember the Spoons? Man, I like that band. <laughs> you're a real audiophile, you know. I like that. Ah, well, there you go. I I mean, you're not supposed to swear on the radio, but we'll let it go. All right, let's talk Jays. I just have to say that, that like, you know going in a best of three is just a crank. Like, it's going to be, like, death or glory. Uh, but I, I did feel like they didn't give them a chance, themselves a, a good enough chance in game two. Not that the game would be won today, but the, the, the pitching change was a little weird, and obviously Vladdy's play uh, was, was not a good one. Listen, I, I'm okay with Bo trying to score in game one. And Korea having to make a great play to throw him out. I'm always okay with that play. I've umpired and managed enough baseball at, at a bunch of different levels. That play makes perfect sense to me. What I'm not okay with is when you lose because of you do something stupid. I'm even okay with banking in a shot off Grant Fear's left leg and, and you're eliminated in 1986 if you're the Oilers. I'm okay with that. But I agree that when you make a premeditated decision to take a guy out after three innings, or I guess he came out in the fourth, so after three innings, when he is showing you nothing but what he should be showing you as a starter, that is flat-out stupid. And I would give anything to be in the meeting where whoever, whatever dumbass made the decision that, you know, we're going to turn their batters around. This is going to screw them all up. Are you kidding? You think this is friggin' May the 7th? It's not. This is the postseason. These are the best teams in baseball. That's not going to screw anybody up, except you, dummy, when you take Barrios out and you bring in Kikuchi, who's not a lead pipe cinch anyway. And then the Guerrero thing, I just... I really struggle with players who are... I don't even know how to say it. Like people treat them like gods and they just really are are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. And they got a lot of talent, but let me tell you, as you well know, my friend, talent is only part of what it takes to be a great player. But everybody today with talent is anointed as a great player. Newsflash. They ain't. What would, what do you think? Cause I feel like they need a, I still think they need a big lefty bat in the middle of the lineup. Uh, and I like their pitching and I like their defense, but what is it a personnel thing or do you have to move out somebody? I mean, I don't think they'll trade Vladdy Guerrero ever, but, but do you, do you maybe have to shake up the group? 
Yeah, you said ever. That's funny. <laughs> there is no ever in sports. And when Wayne got traded, I decided that day there is no ever in sports anymore. No forever. Um, you know, the thing I keep seeing from the Jays is I just keep seeing a group of kids who haven't moved to the next level. I, there's just there's no other way to say it, and i got to be honest, I see the same thing in the Oilers. I see a group of kids that just don't seem to be able to get to the next level. I, I don't know why it's that hard. I think that obviously we're talking about personalities and, and basically maturity, which I'm sure is a, is a profane word now in 2023. We're just talking about maturity and why it's not arriving. And the only way to know that is to know the players and to know how they are personally and whether or not you think they're going to mature. I thought Bovichet was great in this series, and I thought Kevin Biggio did a really nice job of stepping up this season. Didn't see it in Vladdy. Very, very personally disappointed in Vladdy. Really stupid play at second base. I guess, you know, there's a runner on third. Like, you're not going anywhere. Like, are you thinking that one step – is going to score you on a bloop single? Like, I don't even know what the thought process is. So I I just think it's all head management thing that the Jays keep struggling with. The the one thing that would concern me about the Vladdy play is that he, I don't think he recognized danger. Like, you know, he he didn't see that he did not feel the play at all, and maybe it was loud. I don't know, but I you you want your guy on second base to kind of shoulder check, right? Like he's driving down the road. So you know, and this is a straight up honest question: How many years do you have to play a sport professionally before you figure out that when you're on second base, that maybe just maybe ten percent of your thought process should be on. Is, some, is, is somebody going to sneak behind me and pick me up? Like, this is, this is, what year is this of his in professional baseball? It ain't his first or second. Like, these are fundamental things that, that high-end players always have at the edge of their mind. And to me, Vladdy just, I don't, there's no other way to say this. He just acts like a kid over and over and over again. I get that the, 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 the kid enthusiasm is good, but the kid stupidity, it, it, it costs his team, and it costs his team big time. Steve Lansky, our guest from Big Mouth Sports, want to check down to the orders. You talked about them a little bit. Uh, the Athletic has them as the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it's a great spot to be in, or is it? Is it good for a team that still has some issues, still has some holes, and, and has exited the playoffs a couple of times now, partly because of execution or lack thereof? Is this a good spot for them to be as the front runner? Nope. I would hate, 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 hate to be in that spot. Because if one of your guys reads it, I'm telling you, Al, whether you want it to or not, it changes your mindset. I would rather be ranked to miss the playoffs and say, we're going to stick it right to these guys. You'd never, ever want to be the front runner or the, the team that's perceived to be the champion in anything. I can't think of a single way that's going to help the Oilers, especially because of what we talked about, where their guys just, they aren't at the maturity level yet. They need to be. And I just, I just don't think that helps them at all in any way, shape, or form mentally. 
Jack Campbell had a tough uh, transition here a year ago. I uh, changed equipment. There was some early wobble, and I don't think he ever really recovered, although he did play well uh, after mid-January, I believe it was. Uh, he's played well here in this training camp. How much of a difference can he make if he plays like he did with Toronto? Well, it, it, but he played like he did with Toronto for different reasons, right? Toronto was, was uh, I think, really bent on not letting him see a ton of puck. And I think that's going to help any goaltender in any situation. I think if the Oilers decide to kind of make that change, because I've seen them do it in spurts. They did it with Stuart Skinner last year uh, in certain games. You could tell it was very clear they were dedicated to Stuart Skinner not seeing a ton of puck. Well, if they decide they're going to do that for 82 games, which I think is a very tall order for the personnel on this club, both those goaltenders are probably fine to get the Oilers deep to where they need to be. Now, if they both played above their heads, if Campbell and Skinner played above their heads, well, that's a different story. Now now we're looking at the Oilers going a very long way. But I was never totally sold on Jack Campbell in Toronto. Um, I'm still not totally sold. So I'll be interested to see how the season starts and, and basically what he gives us. Steve Lansky, our guest. We talked last week about this, and I think when you were here as well. And it, 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 it I want to revisit it because within within uh, driving distance of of my house, for instance, I'm probably within an hour of about I would say five or six really different great levels of hockey. And, uh, you know, it's out there and it's available and it's not expensive at the lower levels. There's U of A, there's AJHL, WHL, uh, and obviously lots of, you know, tiers of, of our age groups. But you, you have, from what I can tell, you've spent a lot of your life watching hockey at all different levels and your enjoyment of it is, is great. So I wanted to ask you, when did it start and why are you so passionate about sports, especially hockey at different levels? No, that question makes me smile so wide because it makes me think of my aunt, and she's still in Toronto. She's 89 years old. But when I was a kid, my my dad really only loved football, and I don't think my mom even knew what sports was. But my aunt, who lived near us in Toronto, my mom's sister, lived and died sports and loved the Leafs and decided when I was pretty young, probably five or six, that she would start to take me to about five Leaf games a year. And I absolutely loved it. She had great seats in the corner blues in Maple Leaf Gardens, probably 20 rows up the ice, uh, off the ice. Um, and I can still visualize in my mind going to those games. And then we moved to Kitchener in 1969, which is about an hour west of Toronto, and we would, she would come out and get me, and we would drive into a Leafs game, and she would drive me back to Kitchener, stay overnight, and then go back to Toronto. So she really fostered my love for hockey. And then, this is, this is kind of weird, but when we moved to Edmonton in 1975, she and her husband moved to Edmonton like a month later. Wow. And, yeah, and I said, you know, Auntie, Aunt Carol, Auntie, what, can we go to some Oilers games in the WHA? Well, we sat right behind the bench. We would watch Bill Hunter yell at Al Hamilton, don't let him get behind you. Oh, my God. Al, 10 seconds later, Dennis Sobchuk is sweeping around Al Hamilton, and Bill Hunter is going nuts on the Oilers bench. And so I, I, now I'm really into hockey. Then Glenn Sather becomes our neighbor just by fluke on 82nd Avenue down by Valley Zoo there. We get to be friends because I'm kind of babysitting his kids when my sister can't do it. 
Next thing you know, he asked me to be a statistician for the Oilers in the NHL. Well, that's it. I'm, I'm done now. I'm sold. Because I go to every game the Oilers play at home for five years, their first five years in the NHL, and then he did it with Hockey Night after that. So nice. that, that's it. It's, it's in my core. It's not going anywhere. And I will watch it at any level because I truly, truly love the game. And it, and it was just fostered from, from literally as young as I can remember. Was it uh, Star- Starland Valley Zoo back then? It was. Yeah. It absolutely was. And it, it was a quiet night, a really quiet night, and you could hear the lion roar, which I'm not going to lie, was a tad unnerving. <laughs> did, did you ever, did you, uh, you rode the train, right? Uh, which train? Oh, at Storyland Valley View? No, I did not. Oh, you're kidding. Not, no, I never, well, I was a little old, right? Okay. My sister right. worked there. My sister worked there for a summer job one time. And I went and picked her up a bunch of times. I think I've only been to that, that zoo once or twice. My goodness. Holy. Yeah. Well, you yeah. were obsessed with hockey. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I still am, my friend. <laughs> uh, so uh, how, how are you, and this is just a personal question, but how are you, uh, are you ready for, is this your first winter here or did you move before last winter? This is our, this will be our second winter. Here. Okay. So you're, yeah. I don't have to warn you about anything. You're good. No. Oh, oh, but you mean like weather-wise? Well, like, do I get your tires winterized and your no, car? No, no, okay, no. I grew up in Edmonton, so I uh, it, believe me. Oh, oh, man. So when we're talking about going to the rink, I drove like I never missed an Oilers game except when I had a knee operation one time for like five years. And let me tell you, getting to some of those games was a little bit tricky <laughs> on some of those days. A little tricky. So, you know, I'm, I'm well aware. It's just drive slow. Don't do anything stupid. That's my motto in life. Well, I tell you, that's what your wife tells you every day about everything. And good for you, you for listening. You got that right, buddy. <laughs> you got that right. Lansky, thank you. All right, I'll Take care. All right. That's our friend Steve Lansky. And we were spending a little bit of time talking about his, his love of hockey and where it came from in the community, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. I had um, very similar experience. My, my grandma taught me all about hockey. Everybody else was too busy drinking beer and uh, Pilsner and playing uh, cards. Uh, so she was the one who sat down and, and taught me all about all about the game. Funny who you remember years and years later. Been saying it for three years now. The Oilers need a, a playoff battle-tested veteran in the lineup. Like, like Adam Henrique, maybe. There you go. Well, Pittsburgh traded for Brian Trotche. I remember that. Okay. On the way, Tato Uremchuk. And we're going to talk to him about this Oilers lineup, what he sees, and who he thinks will be the final forward. Is it Lavoie? Is it Peterson? Is it somebody else who's on the waiver wire or will be acquired by trade? This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's 121. This is the lowdown. Want to say hello to Mr. Mitchell and howdy to stenographer. Oh, I, that's embarrassing that that showed up again today. So cruel. I would never say that out loud. Don't know how that happened. Lotan, I'm wondering if you can tell me how long it takes the orders to archive the game. I can't tape it because it's on orders plus. I want to watch it when I get home tonight. Chris and Victoria. I don't know. It's a great question. Can we can we have somebody text us in? Like how long it takes to archive? I know that it doesn't take long. I enjoy your work. Keep it up. It's very nice. I don't know. He's probably talking to you, but Broberg reminds me of Charmelson. No, there you go. That's a good good point. Joined now by our friend 
Todd Uramchuk from Daily Faceoff. I'm going to start with the Jays. Is that okay? I guess it's fine. Okay, so what happened? Honestly, I, uh, I I don't really know. Like, it's just the problems that plagued this team all year just shone through in the most predictable and twisted kind of way over the course of 18 or 28 hours or whatever it was. I like I I know the I know that the idea is to react, but I like Schneider and I like Guerrero, and I'm not saying I'd run everybody back. I think they do need a lefty bat to pl- uh, put between Guerrero and and Bichette. But I like I don't I think you just run it back because they're a good team. They just they they did not execute. I don't know. It's it's really hard right now with everything being as fresh as it is to to really want to believe in this core. And while I agree, I think Bo's a player you can build around. I think Vladdy needs to have a better year than he did. I don't know if I trust this management team to be the group that's going to figure it out. They they really messed things up last winter, I think. They they overdid it. Uh, yes, they needed to get better technically. They needed to get better in the field. But they gave up too much of their identity. And when you look at the way things even played out in the playoffs this year and the other series, like, the teams that were hitting for power the best were the teams that were winning. Like, that's the way the sport's going. And it just felt like Atkins and Shapiro were a bit too focused on building a team that would have been good in 2005. Good point. And I, I think, that, I mean, I, if, if anybody's going to go, I think it might be somebody in management, but we'll see how it rolls out. Edmonton Oilers are, are close. We got the final preseason game tonight. Matthias Ekholm skated. Unclear that he'll play. Um, do you ever get irritated by the lack of information about injuries? It reminded me of the Ryan McLeod thing in the spring where everything was okay and then he was on LTIR. This this has been a story since the beginning of camp, but there was always a feeling based on the verbal from the coaching staff and Jay Woodcroft that it would be okay. And maybe it will be, but here we are and we're not that far away from opening night and he hasn't played. Well, and also Brett Kulak now all of a sudden isn't skating and it's kind of like, okay, what's going on here? Because... LT, you know the cap situation pretty well. If both Kulak and Ekholm aren't available on opening night, they are, for lack of a better phrase, they're kind of screwed in terms of their cap situation. So I don't know what's going to happen. It is frustrating on the lack of information because it felt like Ekholm was going to potentially get into two preseason games, and all of a sudden he's not getting into any, and he doesn't know if he's going to play opening night. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah, it is. And I think that, that, you know, everybody talks about wanting to get off to a great start, and they may well do it, but it does go to show that that 21-man roster has has some issues, and we may see it early and late. Who do you think is the final forward to make the team? I think it's going to be Raphael Lavoie. I don't think they want to run the risk of putting him through waivers, and I think he's continued to look better and better as the preseason went on. You know, five days ago... I probably I probably would have voiced some frustration with the way the battle was going because it didn't feel like anyone wanted to step up and grab the bull by the horns and really steal this job. But now you look at it and you go, okay, Lavoie keeps looking better and better. Peterson's coming off his best game. Maybe there is a bit of an actual race here between these two, but I still give the edge to Lavoie because I think Peterson slips the waivers easier. How much... Do you believe in Jack Campbell? He didn't have a great year, but he's had a great camp, and he did recover uh, after a time last year. Uh, do you think he'll get, uh, you know, opening night start, for instance, and do you think he'll be the number one goaltender? 
no to the number one goaltender. I still think Stuart Skinner gets more starts than him this year, but it will be very close. And yes, Jack Campbell is my opening day starter for the Edmonton Oilers. I think it sends a really good message to Jack Campbell, who is a goalie who has struggled with his confidence in the past. It sends a good message to go, hey, you did good in the preseason, and look, you get rewarded. Like, if you grind, if you play well, you're going to get good things from us. I think it sends a good message. And also, going to Stuart Skinner and saying, hey, we're splitting the first two games. You get the home opener on Saturday night at Rogers Place. That's a very easy sell. So I think Jack Campbell goes night one for the Oilers. Uh, that does make sense, and the way you you know the the, the home game is a nice little touch there. Uh, I've been very impressed with Dylan Holloway, not not scoring goals, but how fast he is, and how much he touches the puck, and how much impact he has in his shifts. Do, do you think he's a guy he didn't didn't score a lot a year ago, but he did play fifty games? Do you think he's a guy who might uh, pump up those numbers here in the box cars this year? Yeah, I think so. I think you know expecting maybe twelve to fifteen goals out of Dylan Holloway is is something that's realistic. Hopefully Ryan McLeod is healthy all year. Hopefully Jay Woodcroft trusts him a little bit more because if he can go from getting six minutes a night with Derek Ryan or whoever, if instead he can slide up and maybe get 12 minutes a game with Ryan McLeod and another skilled winger, then all of a sudden I think we'll start to see the confidence pick up a little bit. He'll get more scoring chances, and it should just naturally lead to more offense. So I'm very high on Dylan Holloway heading into the year. Not We're not talking 20-plus goals in a top-six spot, but I think 12-15 to 15 and a quality year on the third line, that'd be a win, and I think it's attainable. You wrote, I think it was yesterday, about uh, entering camp Ben Gleason being an afterthought, and, and I like unless there are injuries, you know, Kulak and uh, Ekholm, we've talked about. I doubt he'll make the team. He'd probably be sent out to Bakersfield. But you know, based on what we knew about him, he has really just had a slam dunk preseason, and I think we will see him here this year. Yeah, it's one of those examples where it can be a win for a player. Like a preseason can be a win and a big moment for a player. And it doesn't have to result in making the team. I think Ben Gleason has jumped Hoffenmeyer and he's jumped Deneen and Nima Linen on the call-up list. And for him, that's a massive, massive victory because it should at some point result in him getting three to four weeks on the NHL roster and maybe an uptick in the pay and some more opportunity. Like, he's been great this preseason. And, hey, if it was a full meritocracy and an open tryout, he probably makes the team over Philip Broberg, but... There's things at play in that situation. The upside of Broberg is still greater. So Gleason's got to understand his role and go down to Baco for a little bit, but he's been just a revelation. So how many how many different travel miles will you get or travel places will you get with the nation here this year? Are you guys tripping out? Seattle in a month for a little uh, Edmonton-Seattle hockey and then Seattle-Washington football. So that is, uh, that is the next stop I'm going to get punched onto my passport. How come you get more days off than bagged milk? Again, full propaganda. Don't believe anything he says. Okay. Uh, you told me that. But, and how come How come he can look after Frank and Frank's fine and you can't look after any pets? Oh, I, I mean, one, I think I could, but don't tell my girlfriend that. I like to pretend I'm a little bit more incompetent than I am. It makes life easier. Yeah, I know. I, I, I always used to under-promise and under-deliver. It's the way to go, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. All right. That's Tyler. Your room check. Gigantic feet. People used to think I was joking, and then they'd meet him in public, and they're like, holy cow. You know, you, the, the, he, he would have to have a, a truck in front of him and behind him when he was walking down, like, the mall 
just to warn. They're losing three starting players to free agency. They need more bats and hitting. Knew this was going to happen the whole year. Need more clutch hitting, not defense. Well, I think you need a lefty bat. It's hard to do. And you end up, you know, you, you get players and like, I like their, I like their outfield. They're all, you know, they, 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 they run down a lot of balls and you, you, you need players who are good with the leather, but also can hit enough. And I think that they, they have a lot of strikeout guys. They don't have a lot of on base percentage guys and they need at least one more lefty bat. That's what I see. And I like their pitching. You know, you, you want everybody to stay healthy, but I, I think they're good. I, I and like I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't spend the hours that I used to on baseball. But if you go up and down their lineup, I like Kirk, I like Bichette, I like Guerrero. Biggio is not one of the players that I that I pick out from a crowd and say good things about, but he did play well, and they've surrounded them with with good veterans. I go back to the starting pitching that got derailed this year. And maybe a little bit about Vladdy, and those are the concerns. But I would not, I would not move either of them. Kiermaier's gone. He already sent thank you message to Toronto. Merrifield's gone. Chapman will be gone. Why is Kiermaier gone? Hey, Tide, would you see? Would like to see Leeson over Vinny, Cracker Jack. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think they like Deharnay's good. You know, he I put it this way. I, I think that he did play. Um, his numbers were better than his actual play a year ago. His outscoring numbers were phenomenal, and he was good, but not as good. But I think you. I think you bring him back and you allow him to play that role and maybe an increased role and see what you have there, and and then at some point in time you try to find room for Gleason, who I think will get the opportunity. Kiermaier doesn't want to play on turf. Okay. The Andre Dawson disease. Lansky was on fire during the Jays game the other night. Lansky on Twitter is like, it's like Twitter after dark. He is just like running out with the the hot takes. Lotet, anyone on waivers today that tickles your fancy? I, I saw Caleb Jones was on waivers. Uh, I always liked him. Um, there have been a lot of guys released from their PTOs that I'm interested in. Um, I, I you're, If you're the Oilers, you're looking for a very specific thing. The Canes have released uh, Zach Acton Reese, Aston Reese sorry, um, from his PTO. He had 10 goals a year ago. He might get picked up by somebody. Seattle put a bunch of people on waivers. Devin Shore among them. I don't see anybody there for the orders, although I have always liked Cole, Cole Lind. Yeah, it's, I think I think the, the heart of the waiver wire will be moved here in the next 24 hours. Maybe 48, Saturday, Sunday. 
but by Monday, we won't be on there. We're not on the air Monday, right? No, taking the taking the Thanksgiving Monday off. I don't like taking days off. Me neither. You know, build up some neither, bad but, habits. But we need a break. Do we? Do we really? Yeah, probably not. But uh, we're getting one anyway. Let's we're getting think a gov mandated what's the break. Hardest job out there, and we're sitting here. Oh, geez, I got a hangnail. They're out there. Yeah, like the mouse isn't clicking the way I like it to. Is yeah, the biggest problem. You know, yeah. and I'm getting a headache from your constant typing. Are you? I, sometimes I think you're over there just saying all work and and no play. It makes Declan a a dull boy. Mm, love a shining reference, but uh, no, I play. I play plenty. I play plenty. This whole this whole this whole show I'm playing. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know. Okay, more comments from you. A preview of the Jason Greger Show. I'll be on the way uh, at 5.20. And we want to tell you, we're very excited about this. Dan Patrick on this show Tuesday at 12.30. The legendary Dan Patrick on the Lowdown Tuesday at 12.30. Cannot wait. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. I'd forgotten about that acoustic intro a long time ago. Dan Patrick on the lowdown Tuesday at 1230. I'm tweeting out my buddy Dean, who's a ne'er-do-well and often doesn't have any good ideas, reminded me of the Stone Cold Steve Austin promo for Sports Center, where Dan Patrick just hammers him with a chair. I just tweeted that out if you want to see it. Relive it. He'll be here on Tuesday. I think we could play hard more based on what's happening on my phone right now. Hey, Tide, another great show. Well, thank you. Uh, it's mostly Declan today, but, you know, I'm hanging in. I understand baseball is a little more individual than hockey, but it seems like the Jays' culture is off and too rooted in numbers, not the game as it's happening. Uh, as a player on the team, when my pitcher is dealing uh, to see him pulled based on numbers, hurts the whole energy and team. I feel like that story played out all the way through the season, and as such, there was never much of a wave of momentum and culture. Just thoughts from Dave at Ravencrest. I'll say this: that that you know, I I the numbers or analytics is getting blamed a lot. I think that that really runs counter to what what we were seeing. The pitcher was he did not, it was not close to. I think he was at sixty pitches or sixty five pitches. He was not close to the end. He is pitching while he gave up a hit. No big deal. You know, at least leave him in until there's there's any kind of pressure at all. Because what happens is the new guy comes in. And I mean, as I recall, things went a little awry because he's probably trying to find the range. Oftentimes in the first inning, pitchers have difficulty. So I, I don't I, I would like to see what analytics says about that kind of thing. The inning is already underway. You're already have a player on base. I think there were zero outs. Is that a good time to make a pitching change when the guy said 67 pitches? And is the guy you liked second best on your on your staff? I don't know. There you go. He only was 47 pitched in and walked a guy, right? So you're like, come on now. Lotan, I was appalled at the champagne celebration for the Jays squeaking into the wild card. They should have had a couple of beers. Said our job is not done. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, the, this little 
championship where you get in is a little easier now, but I think you celebrate. It's always been the case. It's a long season. Yeah. 160, like I, it is a long season. Also, it's, you know, bottom line is that, you know, champagne companies got to, they got to work. They got to sell product. Somebody's got to drink it. Do you like champagne? Yeah, I don't mind champagne. I don't, you know, I don't drink it very yeah, much. Yeah, but with the orange juice or how do you have it? Like mimosas. Straight, yeah. Sometimes if I go for brunch, yeah, I think I'll probably just have it straight on like a, you know, birthday or a New Does Year's it make you giggly? Like it makes me giggly. I get all ridiculous. I think it just makes me thirsty. Really? Yeah. No, thirsty I, for something else to drink. I, depending upon the alcohol, like rye is the the angry drink, or the anyway, uh, and then um, um, the drink that makes me know that I'm on my way to waking up with sand in my in my mouth, or it feels like it is tequila. That's the devil's liquor. Um, and then champagne sort of makes me like giggy, giggly, lightheaded. What does gin do to you? I don't, I, gin, gin. Well, no, don't drink Well, it. no, gin, I'm not talking about gin. Gin, <laughs> gin is gin. I will leave it, do you drink gin? Mm, no, not regularly. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I like really, gin, I used to drink gin a lot. Yeah, I don't really drink hard, hard liquor. Yeah. Well, it's good that you don't. Yeah. You know. Not, not my thing. Low tide, if I may, there's yeah. a text here. For you, and I do want to hear hear your uh, response to it, but it says, Hey, Tide, is it fair to say analytics work better over the course of the regular season because the sample size is large enough for the math to work itself out? In a one-game sample size, such as the last Jays game, gut feeling should be more important. Well, I think gut feel is more dangerous, but but I, I think that there are times when you're... Sure. You know, I, I, what, here's what I'll say. NHL, the really smart NHL observers say 20 games... Or 200 minutes uh, are the best way. Like if lines playing together, 200 minutes, 20 games is a good test uh, for baseball. Obviously, because there's double the games, maybe you need more uh, of a sample. But I don't think it's ever going to be. I said this the other day. I told my Whitey Herzog story that everybody loved on Todd Morell that it's it, if you make a move like that and. It doesn't work. You look like a fool. And if it does work, you look like a genius, but you have to be able to risk it. And I don't mind managers who risk things. I think, generally speaking, I, 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 I like the manager, not the general manager, the manager to take risks. In that situation included, six strikeouts, only one walk? Oh, I don't think they should have taken him out. Okay. But I... You're just I, t- speaking in a broad sense. Right. Okay. I, I, because here's why I don't think they should have taken him out. Because he wasn't struggling. Yes. And you He's never know, great. you know, the, the platoon advantage doesn't know that the lefty's going to come in and pour gasoline on things mm-hmm. because he's not right or he's not comfortable. You, you know, catchers will tell you there's a famous Yogi Berra line where I think it was Don Larson was pitching for the Yankees and the first hit went to the outfield and the second pick was a home run and uh, Casey Stengel comes running out from the from the uh, dugout and Yogi Berra runs out to the mound and Don Larson's standing there waiting for those two fools to talk and Casey Stengel says to Yogi Berra, hey, how does this stuff look? And Berra says, I don't know, I haven't caught anything yet. (laughs) That's funny. This was not funny for the Jays because I don't think he was right. I think he came in and maybe it was the moment that he wasn't ready for. I don't know. But the Jays really badly needed to do something positive but they forced the issue i think and then that that sort of backfired on them 
and in a short series, it, it, it just makes everything look bad. It just does. LT, is it possible for Ekholm to be placed on LTIR backdated to the start of camp, or would they have to wait until the actual start of the regular season? Dunner and North Van. I I think it's the regular year, but I think like he's not going to be LTIR. There's just no way. There's just no way. I'm certainly a little more concerned than I was a couple weeks ago, though. Like I thought this was going to be a quick thing, few few weeks over with. Not so a big when I deal. was talking about this as being a big deal, you weren't listening. No, I guess not. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just thought so it was bad. something we could sweep under the rug and be done with by the end of preseason, and he'd be go be be ready to be on that second pair and come opening night. But now I'm now I'm not sure. In his own words, he said he doesn't know if he's going to be ready. It's taking lo- taking longer to heal, and I still don't know if there's that much clarity on what the hip injury was. He hurts so. me with this. I said this weeks ago. I know, I know. It took me a little while to get around. I, so I was like, like the ah, first you know show. What? I was saying I don't like this, and I was like, oh, come. You're, I brushed you off. Said you got nothing to worry about. You now said, here we are. You, you remember it well. You came over here and you said, "Shut up, old man," and you punched me, and down I went. Mm. I still haven't got over to HR for that. Thank you for that. Yeah. Perfect example of gut feeling versus analytics. Sonny Gray had guys on every inning threatening, and Barrios was the better pitcher. Barely had anyone threatening. Look who won and who lost. We had nine. Who had nine runners left on by the end of the game and didn't score? Yeah. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball is designed to break your heart. It just is. It's poetry in motion. It's beautiful. Everything. Everything about baseball, even math people like baseball. Math people don't like anything. Math people especially like baseball because it's so numbers-driven, yes. so numbers-oriented. But there's a there's romance There's a stat for everything. All the best baseball, or all the best sports writing is all ba- Roger Angel, such a wonderful writer. Just great writers over many, many years. And, and poetry, you know, no other sport really has the romance of baseball. It is a gorgeous sport. And yet it also breaks your heart. It just it just crushes you. And you're right. You said earlier about it being a long year. It is such a long year. And you have all these hopes. I remember one year the Expos traded for Zane Smith. And I was like, okay, all right. They're going to win. They're going to win the World Series. They got a lefty. They got, went out and got a guy. He, and then, of course, they fell apart. But it's it's the hope that brings you back. Baseball is about hope and then having your dreams crushed like a bug. It's quite the deal. The one other sport I'd lump in that category is uh, soccer, especially when it comes to the World Cup. I'm mad at soccer right now. Not that that's, I mean, really related to what we're talking about, but but it just came to mind, so I thought I'd... I'm mad at soccer because of this silly argument about the, you know, Spurs won, so everybody wants to Mm -hmm. replay the game. Mm Mm-hmm. To hell with that noise. You know how many times Spurs fans have been screwed over by everything? 10 or 15. The owner? <laughs> um, a team serious about winning World Series would temper the celebration. <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that. I think that's a. I, I, I think that fans like to pick away at things. And that's the pick away at thing of the day. I'm not doing that. They celebrated. They won. It was a long year. They had. It wasn't like they just went out and partied for three weeks. Every team does it. It's yeah. tradition. It's a long season. Not many teams make the postseason. It's tradition. I will say, guys, Tyler Dello is the re- guys like Tyler Dello are the reason I like hockey. When I was still learning the game, they gave me a measurable way to evaluate what I'm seeing while I learned the eye test. Yeah, 
I agree. Dello taught me a bunch, and I would send Dello like the dumbest questions, and he always treated me with respect. Now, I know a lot of media people will tell you different. I cannot talk about that, but Tyler Dello was straight up a good person to me personally. Gin and ginger is great when you're... Okay, we're not reading that, Radley. Stop it. Why don't I pre-read these? I was about to say, maybe not that (laughs) one. Maybe not that one. Um, How much time do we have? We got three minutes? Yeah, we got about three minutes here. Okay. Tequila and Klua in coffee is a good way to use up your tequila. But here's the thing. If you really like tequila, you're not trying to use it up. If you're just trying to use it up by masking it, why get it in the first place? I'm going to tell you about tequila. You want to to have a good time with tequila and then forget how to get into your house even though you're in the backyard and it's not locked? Yes. There's two ways to do it. Okay. You ready? Yes. Strawberry margarita. Mm. Tequila sunrise. Mm, Both good. Oh, yeah. Both tropical. Oh, doctor. Beach drinks, as I like to call them. And then you're like, why is there a dog in my backyard? When did we adopt this dog? And then you go, somebody says, that's not a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. I remember one time I was in Mexico drinking tequila shots for free. Uh, what was the name of that thing? I can't remember. There was a, a, a gigantic like burning live stove right in the middle of this of this place and it was like it was winter in mexico we were there but we were warm and it's burning away and it's warm and they're giving people tequila and people kept falling into the stove so it's when you're drinking tequila don't be near a stove that's hot is all i can say to you how about trading for mark langston i loved that trade and then i hated that trade i called mitchell blair Who's online? He works in Regina Radio. Uh, I called him uh, and I said, "If the if the if the Expos make a trade, call me. I don't care what time of day it is." And they made the trade at like two in the morning, and he called me, and I was like, "Okay." And my wife was like, "Who's that?" I go, "Ah, nobody." And then she found out that I had told him to call, and it was not good. But I didn't care. I was excited about the trade, and then I hated it when Randy Johnson became Randy Johnson. Edcom can be out till Christmas to allow Broberg and others to gain experience. You want Broberg to gain experience with Ekholm. That's the point. Half the teams that celebrated won, half lost, exactly 50%. What does analytics say about that? Analytics doesn't care about this, but the idea that players aren't going to celebrate after 162 games and they're in the postseason, people act like the postseason berth that the Jays got wasn't worth exactly as much as the other postseason berths. It is a big damn deal. All right. Have a great long weekend. Celebrate. Hug your people. Do silly stuff. And and make a fuss about everybody you care about. And on the way, Jason Greger. Right now it's time for a sports update.